Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Good morning slash afternoon, everyone out there. Happy Friday. Hope you're all doing well. I am doing especially well right now because I get to do my first Collider Dailies episode with Maggie. Hello. I'm so excited. This took way too long to happen. I'm so excited. It's finally happening. It is long overdue. We have a killer lineup, too. There's a lot of topics. I know we're both very excited to discuss. But first, how's your week? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I was up super early today to do an interview for next week's dailies, which is really exciting. So, you know, starting off the end of the week on a high note. Okay. I like it. Good report. Good report right there. Um, I'm a, I'm a little sleepy. I'm a little sleepy. It's been a long week. It's been a long week because it's been a good week. You and mm -hmm. you and John, I feel like shouldered a lot of the show because I was busy in Vegas celebrating a new uh, Netflix series that everyone's going to be able to catch at the end of the month called Obliterated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the show is about what you would think based on that title, basically going to, to Vegas and getting obliterated. It's about a lot more than that. And we'll explain it as we get closer. But, yeah, that's why it's part of the reason why I'm a little tired right now. You've been uh, been hanging out in Vegas. Yes, yes. Hanging out, hanging out in Vegas, drinking. So you can't say anything that happened there, right? Because you have to yeah. you know, keep the secret there. <laughs> Which is literally the exact opposite point of a junket. I will tell you literally everything that happened there. I'm also tired for, for a good cause because last night uh, Box Lunch had their annual holiday gala, which is like a wonderful event. I love Box Lunch stuff. Mm -hmm. And Same. it's just like it's so easy to get completely consumed by the fact that they make really cool geek products for a lot of properties that I love, love, love. But also like everything they do is for a really, really good cause. And uh, last night, the event, I think the number was um, the milestone number was something like they donated their 170 like fifth 
175th million meal via Feeding America because they have that that uh, partnership with Feeding mm-hmm. America. And that's what the night is all about. Literally just honoring people who stand out in the community, donating money to, to food banks and all sorts of other things. David Harbour's the, you know, the new uh, main uh, the main person there that's uh, spearheading everything after uh, Simu Liu was last year. It was just mm-hmm. so nice. Feel good vibes to kick off the holiday season. And I got a cool jacket that says Gary Perry. <laughs> I loved all the videos you posted from it as well. It looked like a really epic event. It was quite fun. All right. Two two things to do before we get into our main topics today. First, just a reminder, we use wonderful Bayer Dynamic microphones on Collider Daily. So a big shout out to them for making sure we have good sound every single episode. Now, another thing that broke after we made our show notes, and it's mainly just facts, just some information that we think you should all have handy. So as expected, a bunch of release dates have changed. And there's a couple of big Disney ones that we just wanted to make sure you were aware of. First, the new Deadpool movie, which was previously dated to be released in May of 2024, has been pushed to July 26, 2024. So, you know, only about two months uh, longer to wait for that one. Then Mufasa, The Lion King, that was dated for July 5th, 2024. That's moving to the end of the year. So now it's going to be released as a Christmas movie. December 20th, 2024. Next up is Captain America Brave New World. That one had the July date, and that one is now moving all the way to uh, 2025, specifically Mm -hmm. uh, Valentine's Day, uh, February 14th, 2025. We also have Thunderbolts on the move. That one is going from December 20th, 2024 to July 25th, 2025. And then finally, we've been talking about this one a little bit, Blade, which was previously dated for that Valentine's Day release, is now moving to November 7th, 2025. So those are all the key updates you should be aware of. How you feeling about these, Maggie? Any jump out at you? You know, I'm feeling good that they've pushed some dates off to hopefully give them more room to, you know, make any edits, any changes, any reshoots they have, and also just give them more time and their, their you know, schedule to uh, space these out a little bit better. So I'm excited about that. Um, Thunderbolts is the one that I'm most excited for. I've had a countdown on my phone for that one since uh, it was announced in Hall H. So I am sad that it's moving, but I'm also still sad that there's just no word if Zemo is going to be in it. Um, Mm. You know, it's really, really shocking to me to have a Thunderbolts movie without, you know, the leader of the Thunderbolts in all of the comic runs. So cautiously optimistic, but that's the one that I'm the most excited for. And of course, like Brave New World to see what they're going to do. I really like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I guess we'll see what happens with that one. Yep. I am eager to hear more, but I second what you said. Take the time you need. Just make them good movies. I'll wait however long I have to, as long as it leans into increasing the quality of the film in the end. All right. Here's one of my most anticipated upcoming releases. (laughs) They have released an Inside Out 2 teaser trailer, and this trailer is a big deal because it reveals a new emotion. Are you as obsessed with Inside Out as I am, Maggie? Yes, 
I okay. loved the first Inside Out. I watched it on an airplane, which is where I end up watching a lot of movies that make me ball my eyes out. And I just love that movie so much. I rewatch it at whenever I see that it's like on somewhere uh, to watch if it's like on a plane or like streaming somewhere. So I love the first one. I'm so excited for two. I'll never forget when they first announced that movie. And like, even though I love Pixar, I was sitting there thinking, how are you going to bring emotions to life and justify a full feature about uh, anthropomorphized emotions? And they did it and they did it so damn well. They did it so damn well that it's not even just my favorite Pixar movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I really wow. do believe that the idea and the way that they brought it to life is pure genius and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what age you're at i feel like when you're processing emotions and seeing them you know behave and operate in this particular visual way it can honestly help someone put something into perspective or think about something in a in a clearer way than you might when you know like you're just going about your day to day and you're you're brain is a big jumbled mess. So I, I really appreciate how smartly they went about uh, bringing all of that to screen. And now it just looks like they're taking that to the next level with this one, because the idea of adding anxiety of all things and having anxiety show up with all that damn baggage. Uh huh. Smart. Perfect. And having anxiety voiced by Maya Hawk. I am so sold. I love it so much. And it shows that, you know, when you're growing up, anxiety does hit you. There's a, a certain age point where the, it hits you and, and well, it's with you forever. <laughs> but it's so it's so fun that they're evolving and like you're getting these new emotions. And I just can't wait to see how much it makes me cry. Cause yeah. I know I'm I'm waiting for that. I mean, it kind of uh, kind of feels inevitable. Um, did you see the teaser poster for it? Mm -hmm. It's so fun. So it. who do who do you think the other emotions are? I don't know. I've been trying to figure out like which ones they could be. And I'm still just like, I don't want to guess because I don't want to be like wrong and then be disappointed if I'm like, I'm wrong <laughs> about the emotions. Enough. But who do you think they are? I'm, like, honestly, I have no clue because yeah, I, I I've gotten very obsessed with the idea that with like Riley's 13 now, like what else enters the equation? I mean... Like there, there has to be something about like a girl becoming a woman, I might assume something yeah. that comes with that. And anxiety is one that really did, you know, hit home. I mean, to each their yeah. own, different things happen at different ages for every single person. But like I guess watching this teaser trailer made me stop and think like, when did I kind of lose that? like that childlike wonder that not not necessarily not caring and not being afraid, but not caring and not being afraid in in like the anxious respect. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like they they hit they hit that age for me, at least at 13. That's when all that stuff started to happen, when you start to look forward and, you know, set these expectations for yourself going forward in life. So anxiety is spot on. I think it's something I think it's something about like like a young adult you know, mm -hmm. getting older in life, man, like, what other emotions are there? I know, I'm like racking my brain to think of like other ones that weren't in the first one, but maybe different oh. kinds of love. I mean, so, oh, that, that could all oh, first love. Yeah. Cause that's different than like, you know, familial love, or friendship love. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Steve in the chat said, uh, the end message of the trailer hinted at the other emotions. I think they are envy, 
boredom and embarrassment. Oh, Oh. I'm stressing just thinking about that, Steve. Flush just thinking. Those are all really great options. And those hit at 13, too. You're you're not really embarrassed because you're not as aware of how you're being perceived up until that point, really. And also boredom, too, I would imagine, because I feel like at that age, it's like you're less likely to, you know, have bing bongs in your life and be able to create your own imaginary experiences. And when you're not always stimulated, you're more likely to get bored. I don't know. Boredom boredom seems like an interesting one, too. I'm very into this, if you couldn't tell. (laughs) Um, Fun fact about this one, too. Pete Docter uh, directed the first movie. He is not directing this one. I believe he is an ex- is an executive producer on it, though. But mm-hmm. it's going to be Kelsey Mann's feature directorial debut, which I find really exciting. I think uh, Pixar in particular is a studio that does that really well, fostering new talent and, you know, letting letting them swing big with a first and do so in a way that, you know, hopefully uh, lets them maintain what makes their voice unique, but also feel supported by the incredible team that works at Pixar that'll be around Kelsey. So I've got I've got very, very high hopes that this is going to be a rock solid sequel. Me too. All right. We got another trailer to talk about. Yet another one. <laughs> I'm a little that you're with. really excited about too. Yeah, I'm real. I'm like, I was. I love how I'm like. I started this episode really sleepy. Now I'm really excited and energetic. Uh, there is a teaser trailer for Jurassic World Chaos Theory, which I guess is essentially. I mean, not that this is confirmed or the way that Netflix stated it, but it sure looks like a Camp Cretaceous sequel to me. Yep. And it it looks it looks really really good. I think the, um, you know, I'll backtrack for a minute. When I first watched Camp Cretaceous, the animation was fine. It served its purpose. When you obsess over things like, like Pixar and the other just like top tier animation studios out there, it was noticeably, I would say of like a a lesser quality, maybe, maybe than some of the other stuff that we're used to. And then on top of that, the fact that it seemed like it was geared more towards kids made me assume that while I love anything Jurassic, this might not be for me. That is not the case. If anybody has been writing that show off for those same reasons, it is the perfect example of something that, yes, is geared towards kids. It is geared towards getting young viewers into the Jurassic franchise. It is also exceptionally well-written. And if you are a fan of the franchise and exploring untapped corners of that world, it literally provides something for everybody. So I can't recommend it enough. And the fact that, you know, at the very end of the trailer, we get an older uh, Darius and I, I want to see where that, that journey takes him, especially because he's one of the characters in Camp Cretaceous who, I mean, they, they all had significant arcs, but him in particular had like a really like satisfying, fulfilling arc to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see, what he does with the experience and the knowledge he gained throughout Camp Camp Cretaceous going forward. So I am feeling quite excited about this one right now. I'm very excited. The quality of the animation on this one was incredible, too. When I first watched, it was like, wait, is this live action or is mm-hmm. this animated? Because it was just so much better than the series, which is still good. It's still like incredible. I could never do that animation myself. It's still like incredible animation, but this just seems like they've invested in it. They see that this is something that people want more of on Netflix. And that makes me happy. Seems like a really smart move for that franchise too. And I've said this with a lot of uh, very popular, big budget blockbuster film franchise 
realizes I understand that this is a business and you need to make money off your most popular properties. But sometimes, you know, pumping the brakes, taking a break, rebuilding that interest and intrigue and also waiting until you've like figured out stories with information worth mining is the better the better route. So not that I necessarily know that this is Universal's plan for the film franchise, but to me, it seems like a smart move to pump the brakes on the big budget films, focus on these animated stories that will hopefully explore different corners in the film franchises do. And then eventually we'll get we'll get more film stuff. But, you know, in, in particular, I'm curious to see where the story mainly unfolds. I think I read somewhere Isla Nublar is a thing but one of the things with the franchise that i've been really eager to explore and i thought i thought that this is what they were going for and you know they kind of did it but they kind of didn't i really want to see more stories unfold in like day-to-day average life on the mainland mm-hmm. but there's dinosaurs in the world now. Like it's just there's so many interesting things you could do that could make like a viewer think, well, what would I do if I was going about my daily life? And now all of a sudden dinosaurs were inserted into it. They tap into that a little bit in Dominion, but then obviously it gets highly focused on the Biosyn campus. So it kind wow. of does ultimately eliminate all of that. I basically want more battle at Big Rocks. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> It needs, yeah, that's what the franchise needs. It needs a little bit more of that. I also, I do love these franchises that are dipping their toes into like animation and getting children invested in it. Something I was just thinking about while you were talking was, you know, yesterday was the Ghostbusters trailer. We talked about Mm. that and how the 90s Ghostbusters show is what inspired a lot of people to get into Ghostbusters because it was like something their parents watch. And that's the same thing happening now with Jurassic World. There's a new generation of kids watching these movies and then they'll get invested in Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, you know, the big movies. That's literally what every single franchise should do. Another good example of one that does that well is Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. Karate Kid, you had a whole bunch of adults who, you know, grew up obsessed with the 80s movies. And then all of a sudden they release Cobra Kai and it very successfully gets the longtime fans back in fully invested and satisfied with the continuation of those characters journeys. But then it also introduces a whole like group of like young kids exploring karate for the first time. It makes the adults fall in love with them. It brings the younger viewers in and all of a sudden you have an expanded fan base. Isn't that what every studio should be going after? A hundred percent. I wish they would do that. (laughs) All right. We're going to move into our final topic of the day. I'm excited about this one because here's another property I love quite a bit. (laughs) This right here is a review of the new Hunger Games movie, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Just in case you don't know, a little background. This is a prequel story. So it takes place 64 years before Katniss Everdeen, Jennifer Lawrence's character, volunteers as tribute in The Hunger Games. And it focuses mostly on President Snow, on his 
journey, I guess, kind of becoming a villain. It goes back to when he was a young kid trying to, you know, beef up the value of the name Snow because Snow has indeed fallen and it didn't land on top for a period of time, but he wants to make sure it does land on top again. So it's about his journey navigating the 10th Hunger Games in order to come out on top and put his family's name back on top. Maggie, you have not seen this yet, have you? I have not, no. So this, this is all you. <laughs> Are you excited for it? I am. So I've never really been a Hunger Games fan. I know, terrible. Um, but this one, I will say the trailers definitely caught my interest more than any of the original films did. Uh, so I will definitely eventually watch it because um, I think it, it will be something that I am interested in. It looks like something I'd like. The story beats seem like the kind of stories I like chasing after. So I'm interested. I think you should be interested because this is this is a rock solid new addition to the franchise. I think Hunger Games and Catching Fire are stellar movies. Those to me are A plus adaptations. The Mockingjay movies, not so much. I don't think they're bad. I still enjoy watching them and I think there's a lot of value in the story that they're telling, but it just didn't hit the same level as those first two. This this movie is another really good adaptation. I can't rank them yet because I I turn into a big baby about ranking. I need to see this movie just as many times as I've seen the others, which is too many times. So I need to I need to sit with it a little longer. But I will say the first two thirds of this movie. It's it's top tier stuff. It's it's really, really excellent. It's um. It's especially interesting to watch because it kind of ties into what we were talking about before, where on the one hand, if you're a big Hunger Games fan, I think it could be very exciting going back 64 years and essentially seeing a version of the Capitol that, you know, isn't in ruins anymore, but it's building back up. But it's far from the version of the Capitol, the high tech Capitol, the like the opulence, the fancy clothes, the big feast far from what we had in those original movies. So it's exciting to see a different version of the Capitol and also an extremely different version of the games. Similar to what I just described with the Capitol, the 10th Hunger Games are like rugged. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing is the same. There's no, there's no advanced technology. Like one thing I, I have discussed in um, interviews, just in terms of bringing visuals to life, is, you know, and and a good way to to put into perspective how different they are. Like the tributes don't like emerge into the arena via these high tech tubes. Like they're literally just like pushed into a, an arena that's essentially, you know, like stone and rubble, and then they're set to fight to the death. So I just, I think the comparison between the two, the two world is very interesting, both for long term, fa long time fans, but also because it's a prequel and it's a villain origin story. It is like innately an on ramp for newcomers. And hopefully it leaves one in a place. And I think it will in the end where if you have not seen the other stories, you're basically busy wondering what's going to happen next, what's going to happen for President Snow, but also what's going to happen to the games. Are they going to evolve in the ways that some in this new movie fight for and against? So I think it's a win-win for everybody. It sounds like it's a really good gateway for new fans, but I'm 
I'm curious for like original fans, OG fans, are there a lot of like Easter eggs for them to like get excited about little little hints and clues to what's to come? There's there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of and what I what I love most about it is as I'm saying this, there's a couple of there's a couple of things that are you know, I'm not going to say heavy handed, but maybe more obvious, like a couple of mentions where you're like, huh? like, yeah, I see what you're doing there. But what I love about this story is a lot of the, the that kind of like connective tissue and the fun little things to spot are very naturally well woven into the fact that this is the start of the games. Mm. It Like there's there's so many things that happen in Catching Fire and 2012's Hunger Games, where when you watch this movie, you see are like are just seeds in this movie. And that's just natural. You don't have to be like, ha ha, look at what it was back then. Like, no, it's just naturally built into the narrative. So I think that's really effective. And then also with um with President Snow's journey, I mean, Donald Sutherland's version of that character is like a like a vicious, awful person. Awful, awful, yeah. awful. And how does one get to that point? And I think I think the actor that they found to play the younger version of Snow, Tom Blythe, is just like kind of exquisite at balancing the need to be a protagonist in this movie, someone that the audience has to be invested in and want to sit through a two and a half hour movie to follow, but also always showing that his moral compass is deteriorating every step of the way. And that's not an easy balance to strike. No. And I think he does it exceptionally well. That was what I I think was the like most excited about with this movie, because I love complex villains and I love villain origin stories like just tremendously. So everything I've seen from the trailers and like it just that is what I want to see with this film. So it do they make him sympathetic? I guess that's what I'm curious about. Is he sympathetic or is he more of, of like a pre-villain that you're like, oh, oh, I see where this is going. My my hope for every character in a movie or a show who makes bad decisions is I don't I don't necessarily need to be in a place where I agree with the bad decision that they make, but I need the movie to justify why they made that decision. And this very much does. The like the what it means to have value in a family name in the capital is heavily emphasized in this movie. And I think via his performance and the script, it's very clear. It's very clear, very believable. And you could feel the drive that he feels to put his family back on top. So I think that is what justifies his. You don't have to agree with it, but it justifies the decisions he makes every single step of the way in the movie. Excellent. Had you read the book before seeing it? I did read oh, the okay. book. So how does it compare as an adaptation? Are there there scenes, you know, that they pulled out and decided not to go with things that kind of got moved around for the benefit there, of the story? There's yeah, there's some stuff that got moved around and nothing, nothing that really made me sit there and be like, oh, why didn't you put sad? That's not in the movie. Like, no, I, I think they made the necessary changes that made this a strong screen adaptation and maybe even made a couple of story elements just in general stronger than they were before the the only my only hang up with this movie my one main criticism it and it and it's like a criticism that I'm torn on because it's the fact that and I've already said it in this review the first two-thirds of this movie are excellent the movie is divided into three chapters the first chapter the first two chapters are are really damn good they're they're well paced well shot the story is strong and 
there comes a time where it feels like a very natural end to one really good movie. So ultimately, based on my feelings while watching the movie version, I guess my assessment is, oh, this should have been two films because I think that the last third feels rushed and underserved where it's really important to have that like lived in quality to make that material as strong as the first two thirds. The problem is from a business perspective, I understand why they didn't split it. You could sell the first part of this story so much more easily than you can sell the last part. And, you know, I don't know, may maybe that's a maybe that's not the greatest thing to say, because maybe a writer could have swooped in and beefed it up in a brilliant way that I'm not thinking about right now. But the way the movie plays, I think the first two thirds are excellent. And I wish that the last third had more time to breathe. I think that's a, a fairly fair assessment of it. I'm curious. So like what score would you give it? Where, mm. where are you sitting with that? Are you are you uh, held back by that final third? I've been very torn. I've been very torn. I've been very torn, torn, admittedly, between I always uh, rate out of five mm -hmm. between three point five out of five and a four out of five. The three point five is, is me being held back by the fact that I, I do think. And again, I will I will reemphasize this. I said this in my tweet. The last third's not bad. It's 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 good. And it does feel like the necessary next step for the main characters in it. I, I think it is solid. It's just that the first two thirds are so good that there's a, a noticeable difference, or at least in my mind, there was a noticeable difference between the first two thirds and the last third. I think given what I just said, I have to lean four because again, like I'm I'm probably going to watch those first two thirds over and over and over and over again. And I'll still watch the last third over and over and over again, too. Just like a little, a little less enthusiasm. So I think what I'm saying is I'm giving this a four out of five and saying I love it. And I'm excited. We got another great new addition to the Hunger Games film franchise. Excellent. Well, now I'm looking forward to seeing it. I have sold you. Yeah, you sold me. Great success. Great success. <laughs> All right. That is a wrap on this edition of Collider Dailies. Before we go, is there anything you want to promote, Maggie? Anything you're working on that you're really excited about? Oh, I think people have to tune in next week because we'll have a lot of uh, exciting things to talk about then. So my real plug is to keep watching Collider <laughs> Dailies. <laughs> I appreciate that plug quite a bit. I love how as I'm saying that, I'm like, like, what do I yeah, have? Yeah, what do you have? I, I mean, mean there's so many interviews. So many. I, I feel like I've gotten so focused on the upcoming stuff that I've forgotten what I've already done. But I will say there's um three really cool uh the Marvels interviews. They're they're all non-spoiler. They're on the Collider Interviews YouTube channel and it's with um director Nia DaCosta. We also have the composer and the executive producer and you know, obviously SAG strike is over. I didn't even get the opportunity to say that on dailies yet, and I'm so happy to yeah. say that. Already. I hope I hope the I'm very excited to talk to actors again. I hope the industry continues to put a big old spotlight on some behind the scenes folks that we don't often get to see or hear their perspective. And I, I will say in this particular case, the three of them had some really interesting insight into how the Marvels evolved along the way and how it came to be. I'm full blown obsessed with the the idea of how they scored that movie. The The music is just next level, something else. You can learn about that on the Collider Interviews YouTube channel. With that, I will say goodbye. Have a great weekend. And we will see you Monday morning slash afternoon for a brand new edition of Collider Dailies.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.